In episode 547 with award-winning global business coach, Bruce Campbell, we are talking about growing and scaling your business. We're sharing the systems and mindset shifts that will get you to six, seven, and eight figures, plus so much more. If you are a business owner, you are going to want to get out your pen and paper. You're going to love this episode. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, Comparisonitis, and Time Magic. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited about this episode because Bruce Campbell is our business coach and a dear friend of ours. And for those of you that have never heard of Bruce, he is the founder and principal business coach of the Entrepreneurial Business School, which is located on the Sunshine Coast, Australia. Now, he is recognized as the number one business coach globally and has been extensively awarded for his work through various international bodies. He has also been awarded a Stevie Award for Company of the Year at the 2014 and 2015 International Business Awards. And he has won the Business Coach of the Year Award, not one, two, or three times, but 10 times. 10 times, my friends. It's just incredible. So he travels between his offices in Hong Kong, India, and on the Sunshine Coast, And he does speaking, teaching, and coaching thousands of business owners and entrepreneurs every single year. He has an MBA, a Bachelor of Health Science, and has invested well over a million dollars into his further education. And most importantly to him, he has a degree in life with over 20 years business development experience. He has served as a director and senior manager of numerous management teams in Australia and the UK of which he was the youngest director in a $60 million GBP turnover company at the age of 25, 25, which is amazing. Bruce also added the title of acclaimed author after the launch of his first book, Where's My Cash Gone?, which is a book that provides business advice, cash flow strategies, and transformational principles every successful modern entrepreneur and business owner must know. On top of all of that, his beautiful wife, Georgie, and their four divine children are involved in their businesses. And I love going to Bruce's events and seeing the whole family there and the whole family involved. It's just so beautiful. Now, I am sure that after this episode, you will want to be reaching out to him. Now, when you do go to ebs.org, Make sure you say that Melissa Ambrosini referred you and you can fill out the free business diagnostic form, but make sure you say that Melissa Ambrosini referred you for some extra love. And for everything that Bruce and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 547. Now let's bring on the incredible business coach, Bruce Campbell. Rosa, I am so excited to have you on the show. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Well, uh, I had some eggs, actually. Only eggs. I'm doing a little bit of paleo at the moment, so uh, that's what got me out of the out of bed this morning. Oh, Bruza. Well, I am so excited to have you here. You have been in mine and Nick's life for a very long time. I actually cannot remember the year that we started working with you. Do you know off the top of your head? I think it was 2010 from memory. So it's a while ago, 13 years. So yeah, a while. Yes, it has been such a long time. And we discovered you through some friends of ours who were also coaching with you. And they were speaking very highly of you. And we were like, who is this Bruce guy? We have to go see him. And we started working with you, coaching with you one-on-one, and we absolutely loved it. We took a little bit of a break, which we call dumb tax, which we can talk about in this episode. 
And then we rejoined a few years ago and we've absolutely loved working with you again. You are a wealth of knowledge and we are so, so grateful to have you in our corner. But for those that don't know anything about you, you have actually been recognized as the number one business coach in the world. You have won so many awards, like too many to even count and mention. You've worked with mind-blowing people, like high achievers from all walks of life. Bruza, how did you get here? How did you end up coaching some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs, including Nick and I? Well, it's a great story, really, Melissa. Look, thank you so much for being on the show. I 100% respect you and Nick and everything you're doing on the planet. So a big shout out to you and very grateful to be here. But look, I suppose like a lot of people, entrepreneurs who get into business, a lot of the time they fall into it. So back when I was a kid, I remember jumping on one of my first ever airplane jet rides, right? Like I think I was eight years old, Melissa. And of course, you know, I had to walk past these business class seats. And I remember saying to my mum, I said, who sits there? And she goes, oh, all the people that are running businesses. And of course, we're down the back near the toilets. And I was like, you know, I want to do that. Like, why do they get a better seat than me? Right. So it got me thinking. And look, even though there's an ongoing uh, debate with my mum, she's 85, still going great on when I started my first business. I think it's a lawn mowing business I was doing for the local neighborhood. But the first true one, just to give you the background on this, probably my DNA around business is I was at boarding school. I I, uh, went off to boarding school and in year, I think I was about 15, 16, I borrowed my father's caravan fridge and I used to sell soft drinks to my fellow boarders. It was a great business. I used to buy the cans of, you know, drink for 42 cents. Uh, Some of your listeners are saying, my gosh, how old is this guy? 42 cents, you know, like they're now whatever they are. And I used to sell it to a dollar. I made like 30 grand in my year 12. I didn't know anything about taxation back then. So uh, let's hopefully there's no one from the uh, tax department on here today. But look, that kind of got that was that's kind of who I am is is I've sort of done that all my life. I went over to Scotland, my wife and I, she's a dietitian by trade. And we got into I went did my master's. I took a sabbatical when I was in my early 20s, which was a big call. The pound of the dollar was three to one. And I got into business and started working for companies flying around the world. And how I got into business coaching was people, once I got back from the UK, we lived over there for about six years, Melissa started asking me questions, you know, what what should I do here? You know, I need to do a budget for the bank, et cetera. And uh, eventually I fell into it. And, you know, you fast forward, 19 years, 20 years is our anniversary next year. You know, we've we've built a global business. You know, we've got multiple coaches and, and, and expansion plans uh, around the globe. So, you know, it's very humbling that uh, from a, let's just say, a fall into it moment, you know, you, we can now be on stage in front of thousands of people annually. What you and Georgie, your beautiful wife, have created is truly magnificent. And so beautiful. I said this to you at the last event that you ran. And I was just in awe, not only what you've created, but the impact that you're having with the charities that you work with, which we can speak about, but just all of the people in that room. And you attract such incredible human beings, so like-minded, so big-hearted, and so Bruiser, just a little pat on the back. I know I've said this to you many times, but what you have created is truly amazing. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Now, I've never asked you this, but what was your first impression of Nick and I? Well, I met you down at your at your unit uh, down there at Potts Point, if my memory serves me correct. And of course, you know, I've walked in and it's this beautiful Zen room with bongos and, and uh, guitars and music and everything. And of course, this massive vision on your business with what you were doing, obviously Nick and what he was doing on the planet. So I still remember it being very unique because I was like, you know, there's probably not too many units in Sydney that where this, you know, you got this kind of empire coming from it. And obviously then you end up with offices and all the rest of it. But, you know, I remember thinking, wow, there's a lot happening from this little old unit in Sydney. 
Yes, absolutely. We've come a long way. And I'm so glad that you've been in our corner along the way. So we are now part of your board program. And for people listening, they might be like, what is that? So we sit on a board, one of Bruce's boards. He has about, I think you have 12, is that right? 12 myself. I think we're up to about 24 in total now. So That's amazing. And so we meet every quarter with about six other businesses and you get an hour and a half in the hot seat and all of the other businesses are giving you feedback and advice on your business. You're looking at your numbers, which is really important as well. And it is just incredibly invaluable. Like it's just so amazing. But I want to kick off with talking about mindset. Where does mindset rate when it comes to achieving success as an entrepreneur? Is it underrated or overrated in terms of importance? Because I know I speak a lot about this, but I want to hear from you and all of the businesses that you've worked with. Let's talk about mindset. Yeah. So look, I think it's a great point. And I think that if you look at the most successful people in any pursuit, Melissa, they have to get this thing working correctly before they go and learn the skills and the knowledge and the tools. They got they have their head has to be in the right. And there's plenty, you know, of examples over history where people were talented, you know, they they had the right skills, you know, they might have been the best in that uh, sport at school, high school, universities, college, etc. But they never went on to it because, you know, the mindset. So for me, one of the the biggest things that I think aspiring entrepreneurs or business owners need to have is a growth mindset. And a growth mindset need for me is about allowing yourself to think bigger than potentially you've ever thought before. And like I look back on my journey, if I speak from a place of I, I had to go and hang around. Although I, I felt I had a reasonably big vision, the challenge for me was I needed more reference. I needed to uh, immerse myself with other successful people that could stretch. And even when I sort of started to get into the, as an, by way of an example, Melissa, you know, I remember getting into the business coaching field. And here's a classic example. I think my charge out rate, I used to do it back in the ice age by, by the hour, right? That's how a lot of people in sort of professional services do, you know, for an hour of my time, I'll charge and I can't even remember. It might have been 200 bucks, something like that. Wasn't a lot of money. And then I I got immersed into a room where there, you know, people are charging two and $3,000 a month for about, you know, an hour or two of their time. And I, I, I remember just being, my brain just hurting because I was like, holy, you know, that is just way different from a mindset of what I thought the, the going rate was versus what there is, and this is, I think, the power of communities like you've created, myself, etc. Is it allows people to immerse and actually see what other high-performing people do. So I think that whole growth mindset should never be, you know, ne- never be underestimated. Absolutely. In She Launch, there's a statistic in there that I share about successful entrepreneurs and business people. And it said 80% of successful people is due to their mindset and 20% strategy and skills and tools and things like that. And when I read that, I was like, wow, it's such a huge piece of the puzzle. It is such a big piece of the puzzle. And I know for a lot of women entrepreneurs, that self-doubt, that fear, that can be very loud. That inner mean girl, as I call it, can be really loud. So we do need to work on that mindset. It is such an important piece of this puzzle. It's 80% of the puzzle. I agree. And look, I mean, you know, I'm sure I carry a bias with this because I'm in the coaching game and, you know, and have been for the best part of 20 years. I just don't know how you do this, Melissa, without someone, a mentor, a coach, someone in your corner or multiple people. And for me, let me give your audience a few views, given I've coached, you know, thousands of people, is that th- those folk can't be loved ones. They can't be your life partner, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. We need those people as counsel, right? But they can't ultimately be that independent, truly independent person 
that can challenge, you know, on mindset, say, no, 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 you, you got to go do this. Like this is, this is non-negotiable. You know, I'm not going to let you off the hook on this and, and kind of put a chalk under the wheel. And that's why for me, coaches are invaluable. And, you know, just for your own audience, I've tallied up how much I've spent, invested in coaching and education, and I'm past 1.8 million in the last 18 year, 19 years, right? So for, for whatever your listeners have invested, I've probably done a dollar or two more because I take it so seriously. And I'll throw in another one whilst we're talking about mindset and growing that is I would say the best proportion of that was when I didn't have any money, Mel, right? Like, you know, people only see me now with the current state of affairs, but they didn't see me when we started this business, you know, in my, in my mum and dad's spare bedroom, you know, in a home-based office. I was borrowing my mum's car to go around to consultations back in the day, right? So one of the things I made, someone said to me a long time ago, one of my mentors, he, he said to me, you know, if you want to earn more, you got to learn more, right? So we got to go and get more coaching around mindset. I'll get on to skill here in a little bit. And, and look, there's been some programs that I've done over time that have really helped me. And, you know, it was money well invested when I look back. Exactly. I would love to know how much I've spent over the years. I would have no idea, but it would definitely be up there. I am a student for life. I'm always investing in myself and wanting to grow. And not just in business, you know, with health. We've had relationship coaches. I've had spiritual coaches. I've had a birth coach. You know, I've had coaches in all areas of my life. And like you said, that person might be a few steps ahead of you. I call those people expanders because I look at them and I go, well, if Bruce can do it, I can do it. If that person can birth at home and have a home birth, I can do it. You know, it's like one of those things. Like if you can see it, you can then believe it. I totally agree. That's why coaches, support, mentors, whatever you want to call them, are so invaluable. But one of the many things I love about you, Bruiser, is you have what we call in the community, in the EBS community, bruiserisms. And one of them that I absolutely love, and you taught Nick and I this 10 years ago, 11 years ago, whatever it was, was this above and below the line thinking. And Nick and I, we brought this into our company. So we use that terminology in our company, but we also use it in our personal life. So, you know, we say with my 17-year-old stepson, we say, you know, that's below the line and we use it in our personal life. So can you talk about what below the line and above the line thinking are and how that kind of feeds out into your business and into your personal life? So look, this is probably one of the most valid personal development principles that I ever ran into. And it's, it's, it's well known in a lot of fields. We've expanded on it. But it fundamentally, it talks about a line and you either live below it or you live above it. When you're below it, you know, you use a plethora of these. Blame, so you lay blame on other folk or your environment. You know, excuses or justification why I didn't do something or just straight out denial. I've got a problem, but I know it's there, but I, I don't want to address it. And normally, unfortunately, that when people kind of play in that area, they end up becoming a victim, right? And and th- this is the challenge because, you know, they've always got reasons of why they weren't successful or why they didn't get their health correct or, or what, what whatever the, the case may be. And it just doesn't serve them. You know, above the line behavior is where you're above it is you turn a lot of those into the opposite. So, you know, you're taking ownership, you know, the the true ownership. It's your life. It's your business. It's your career. You're accountable. And for me, you know, and I'd like all your listeners to take a note of this, people who like accountability love being measured. Right. If you think about this, like let's take a sporting example. If you said to the coach, here, coach, and I'll just use 400 meter around the track as the example. Here, coach, I want to run faster. I want to do better. Grab that stopwatch and time my ass going around the, the, the track. Right. You're going to get better. Right. Because there's measurement, there's 
bring accountability to me. A lot of people don't like that, right? And that's why, you know, that's why coaching is another reason why that works for entrepreneurs and business owners is, it, you know, there's accountability, there's measurement. You know, in your environment with me, you're going to go and, you know, throw me the numbers every 90 days and I'm going to pick it apart and ask some questions, right? So people in an above-the-line mentality love measurement, love accountability and, you know, responsibility. And, and so essentially those people end up becoming more the victor not the victim, right? And and I could tell the audience that we won't have enough time, like so many stories of people, business owners, entrepreneurs who came to our front door over the years where they were fully down and out, you know, on the verge of bankruptcy, but they just had more of an above-the-line mentality. And, you know, in within two, three years, they've turned something that was diabolic into something beautiful, profitability, got their life back, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there's a little teaching above and below the line. I love it. It's so powerful. You know, Nick will be like, babes, that was below the line, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it was. And just having that dialogue has been so powerful for us. Another thing that I love about you, having you in my corner, and I think having a coach in any area is they can show you your blind spots, maybe some areas that you're not seeing. And I know you've done that for us many times. When it comes to business, what are some common blind spots that hold people back? Love that. So look, I mean, the just for your audience, the, the, the psychological medical terminologies on a blind spot is called a scotoma, right? A, a scotoma, that's the actual uh, proper terminology of it. Now, the challenge with blind spots is that if you think about this, normally it'll be something that I'm unaware of, but other people are. So the most quickest way to get to a blind spot is to have more feedback, right? Is to accept more. And I've done a lot of work with many psych profiles over the years. Probably our best one that we use is one called the Flippin' Profile out of College Station in Texas in the USA. Uh, amazing company, very sort of off the, off the map. You know, the New York Yankees use it, Dallas Cowboys and plenty of other successful organisations. I've done it for the best part of 15 years and it was interesting, that organization, it's about being a sponge for feedback, right? And I remember I got trained in how to receive feedback. So no one's, not many people have been actually trained in how to receive it, right? So this is how I do it. And it, it's tough, Melissa, right? Is some feedback will come my way. And in terms of, you know, reducing that blind spot, this is what you got to say. Don't change the script. It's like, thank you, what else do you see in me? And then the other person can have another go. And even if it's brutal, even if it's, ah, you know, I'm not enjoying this right now, it's thank you, what else do you see in me? And you have another go until they essentially empty the tank where it's, no, no, that's about it. Just go do that, right? And then, and then but what, what do most people do, Melissa? They want to push back. They want to change the subject. They want to justify, you know, here's another one that I see in coaching is, you know, they'll tell a joke just to get you off the scent, et cetera. So it's probably practicing the muscle on how do I accept it, right? So that there's just a bit of context. Uh, how do I do on that? Yeah. This is so interesting. Like I'm thinking about in your personal life too, like I'm saying, thank you. What else do you see me like and just how powerful that is? And just being totally neutral and not buying into any of the stories. I think if we want to grow in our business and in our personal life, thank you. What else do you see in me is so powerful. Yeah. And, you know, and to do that, you got to let, let the ego go there too. I, I'm going to say this back to your kind of where you were leading. I think, uh, tell me if I'm on the right track here, was blind spots in business. So the challenge for a lot of people in business, Mel, that I've seen over a long period of time, especially in that creation phase, is they get in love with their own idea, 
right? So they, they, they think of an opportunity, they think of a concept, right? And it could be new, it could be already been done on the planet, could be just a different version of something that's already been done. But either way, they, they like their own idea, their own idea. And then the, what I see with up-and-coming entrepreneurs is then, then they'll speak about that new idea a bit more and then they'll go and do some more thinking and research on it. And the more they do it, the more they get in love with their own idea to the point where there is no other concept that we've thought about because that's the, that's the, the highway. We're going to go down there. And I think this is... You know, this has led to a lot of people handing money back and, and unhappiness over time because they'll get down a year or two into it. Turns out the good idea is a bad idea. And if they'd just done more critical thinking at the front end and had other people look at it, you know, they would have said, no, that that's a bad idea, right? And they would have saved themselves a heap of time and money. So, what I say to people and, and what I endeavor to do with myself, I don't always get it right. Don't worry. I've, you know, I've also paid a price uh, in my history of bad ideas is, you know, what I don't see. Is there any, what other, why will this not work? You know, a lot of the time we're too over-optimistic on what will work. And I think, you know, if I asked all of your listeners, you know, if they could unwind three of the worst financial decisions they've ever made, you know, what would that be worth? And most people go, oh, gosh, you know, it's a huge amount of money, right? So this whole idea, I always say, you know, all of my bad ideas started out as a good idea, right? So so we just got to put a lot more counsel and critical thinking at the front end, rather than thinking that's the only way to do something, in my opinion. Yes. And that's where having a coach is so important because you can kind of go, this is my idea. I know I've definitely been there. I'm like, there's this brilliant idea. I We have to do it. But this is exactly what we teach and she launch as well. It's like, yes, come with an idea with your offer and let's make it an irresistible offer that people are just bursting to pay you for whatever that is. So I love that so much. I love your definition of business. You say business is a commercial profitable enterprise that runs without you. Now, my business definitely doesn't run without me. I am the Tiger Woods, as you say. I am the face of my business. So for someone who is wanting to maybe like separate themselves from the business, what are the three key steps to start? Like, how would we even begin with that? So let me just say for your audience, Tiger Woods business models are okay. I was one for many years myself, right? So I'm okay with that. And I'm sure I, I always say this, you know, if if we ring up Tiger Woods now, I don't know his current financial position, but I, if I had to guess, if I rang Tiger and said, hey, could I borrow your bank account for the next year? right, everyone's going to want to raise their hand and do that because I'm sure he's got a fair bit in the bank account. So, so Tigerwood models are great. Now, he, here's, here's the distinction, right, is on Tigerwood business models, once you start making profits, you have to take those profits out of the business and go and invest them in vehicles like property, like shares, Etc. that don't involve you, right? So for many years, I was a Tiger Woods, you know, I was the only coach. I was Tony Robbins, essentially, business model-wise. But I was smart about it, so I'd take my profits, go and buy another investment property, take the profits, go and buy another investment property, you know. It would give me enough of a deposit or a share, etc., so that I could build my wealth. And, and that's a big point for your listeners if they're not on it, is there's a difference between having income rich and being wealth rich. So income rich, right, is the money that you make from the business. Whether you've got a Tiger Woods business model or you've got a business model that doesn't involve you in the business, right, that's income. 
which is different to wealth. Wealth is where money makes money. So I go in and buy an investment property, right? That particular investment property I probably have for 20 or 30 years. It'll pay itself off with the rents of that. I've got all my real estate I've got as positively cash flowed. Therefore, there's a profit after we pay all the costs of the mortgage and the cost of owning that particular property, right? So that that's wealth, right? Most people don't make enough wealth in their time. And most people I I ask in in their 50s, 60s and 70 years of age, when I say, when I talk wealth and say, should have you started earlier? Guess what all of them say, Mel? Uh, I should have done this bloody years ago. I, I'm only starting at this age. So whether you're Wherever you're listening to around the world, if you're not taking a portion of your income, if you're in a career or you've got your own business and putting that over to the wealth side, I promise you, you'll thank me one day. I think you've said to us many times, the best time to start was yesterday, but the second best time is today, you know, with investing. It's never too late. You just need to get it out there and start, start investing. And that's one of the many things that I love about working with you. It's not only just about building our business, our current businesses, but it's also about wealth creation. And that's really, really important. So let's talk about profits. So let's say an online business owner, like a coach or a consultant, walks into your office and you know nothing about their business except that profits are down. What is the first one or two places that you look at immediately to start increasing their profit margin? Well, the first one I'm going to do is I'm going to ask them for their financials. And I'm normally going to ask them with a similar conversation, please tell me out of 10, 10 out of 10, you invented accounting, zero, I have no idea and it's a miracle that I'm here. What's your score out of 10? right? And normally it's low, right? So, you know, they, their financials aren't, they don't have a budget, etc., which tells me they're doing it on the run. And, and I can't tell you how many times this has happened over the years. So for me, you know, like I, I always say this analogy, you know, I've played a lot of rugby union in my time, Melissa, as you know, and, you know, all over the world, I might add, and I always say, you know, it'd be like running around on a rugby union pitch for 80 minutes. I've got my mouth guard in. I've probably been hit in the head and blood coming out my ears or whatever and doing all of that effort, right, and getting off the field and someone saying, well, who won? And you turn to that person and say, well, I never looked at the scoreboard once, Right, and that and that's how it is. If you're not on your numbers, right, is it's you're running around the pitch, you, you you're playing the game, but we're not we're not involved on that. So for me, that is like a crucial part, you know. So knowing numbers, number two, I would say that the sales and marketing side of most of those businesses that you just mentioned, people don't have a good enough marketing and sales plan. So, you know, on our website, feel free to go and do it. I'm sure your your content's got a heap in it as well. You know, I'm a big fan of the 10-minute marketing plan, right? A 10-minute marketing plan was developed by a great guy who taught me marketing, Jay Conrad Levinson. So he, uh, I know I'm not promoting his product that he created, but from a marketing point of view, one of the best, biggest brands ever made, he was the guy behind the Marlboro cigarettes, right? So he created that back in the 50s. He, you know, so you know, Marlboro used to be a pink and purple cigarette. It was like 54th in sales in America. And Philip Morris wanted to take it to more, you know, obviously back in the 50s, that was just kind of, you know, what you did. And he took that to the biggest selling cigarette ever, ever, and one of the top uh, 10 biggest brands. Now, irrespective of, I'm not promoting cigarettes, I can assure you, but in terms of the marketing side of what he does, he's a genius. He's dead now. 
Now, I I had the pleasure of getting mentored by him on marketing, and he, he wrote a, an amazing book called Guerrilla Marketing. If you do not have that, you got to have that on your shelf, right? So what the whole premise of the book and why he calls it guerrilla, it's not anything to do about apes, it's about guerrilla warfare. So if you think about guerrilla warfare, the people that do those different battles and armies, they don't have a big budget, right? They don't have nuclear bombs and tanks and F-111s, right? They've got, they got to do it in sandals, you know, run around the jungle kind of thing. And he makes the same analogy with business is if you're Apple, if you're Google or IBM or any of the big boys in town, you know, you've got billion dollar budgets that you can throw at marketing. Most small and medium sized businesses you're doing it on the smell of an oily rag, right? You've got to do this, you know, the most highest impact for the least amount of spend and time, right? So having a great marketing plan, and if it's not written down, Mel, I've got a saying, you've heard me say it before, it's not on this planet, right? So you just can't dream this up in your head. You actually got to go and put, you know, to show other people, including yourself, that, that you can do the plan. And it's not it's not the plan, it's the critical thinking that goes into the plan that's the crucial point here. Mixed in with a sales process. So whether you're an online business, whether you're you're having human conversations or telephone or whatever that is, Zooms, etc., you gotta you gotta know sales. So for me, that'd be the second thing of normally why profits are down. And thirdly, I'm gonna say this consistent execution, right? And what I mean by that is a lot of people, when I follow their journey, they may execute massively for a, a week, a month, etc. But to, to set up a program and have some critical drivers, which is the consistent actions, the measurement of these consistent actions where you're taking massive action over a long period of time, that that always is. Some, you know, if I use an, another analogy here, Mel, I don't want to have good health for a week. I don't want to have a great marriage for a month, right? I want those over a long period of time. So the same thing is with a business is that consistent execution over a long period of time is normally what it's going to take. But you need little measurements, which we call critical drivers, which essentially is measuring the push-ups that gets you the result. They're the, they're the big three for me. What are some of the metrics that we should be measuring? Like obviously gross profit, things like that. What else is there? So I'll start at the top. I mean, you know, let's start with inquiries. What are the activities that are going to cause inquiries at a certain amount of ad spend? Is it certain about of meetings that you got to go and do? Do you got to go and knock on doors, etc.? You know, in our business, you know, I mean, we've got eight businesses. Entrepreneurial business school is just one of them. But if I look at that business, you know, we do a lot of seminars around the planet, right? So it's a free seminar. We'll go and put these on in all sorts of cities and towns around the planet. And we know that if we do a certain amount of them and, and, and we've got a, uh, they're, they're like a free seminar, we'll generate a certain amount of leads with people that want to sit down and have a conversation on coaching, right? So, so that's the critical driver. The KPI, the key performance indicator is the conversion rate or the number of clients that are generated. But if we don't do that front end critical drivers, Right, it's not going to happen. So I would say for your listeners, what are the critical actions that cause an inquiry or a client to come your way? And are you measuring those? I think the second point on critical driver and KPI is on the conversion rate side. You know, so how many conversations you're having, if it's more of a, a dialogue or is it uh, what online, what's the conversion rate that you're experiencing? I would say how much sales training are you going through, number of hours, number of books, number of courses, right? If, you, if you've got a dialogue with someone, you've got to be an amazing salesperson, right? No matter who you are. You know, some of my favorites, if I can give you some of these are a bit old school, but they, they still work, is a guy called Jeffrey Gittimer, right? 
and Tom Hopkins. There's my two favourites. Go, go, eat all their their information. Here they're scripting the objection handling, etc. You got to be a master at that, right? So how many of those courses? That's critical driver created the conversion rate. So I would be doing some work there. That's on uh, marketing and sales. I definitely would be doing because you're going to have a lot of people that sell time in some shape or form, they have to be measuring utilization. So number of coaching hours in a week versus the total week, what's the percentage differential, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what's your hourly rate or your day rate? or Like how are you measuring the production operation side to what you do? You've got to have that measured on both critical driver and uh, KPI, you know, Here's another one I always ask, Mel, what's maximum utilisation, right? Most business owners can't tell me that. What that means is where do I cap out? So if I'm a one-person, I don't know, business coach sitting over in America now, where do you cap out? Like is it 30 hours, is it 60 hours? Like what's the max? And how many dollars do you make once you do hit that? And what's the plan to go past that? Because you can't have a scaling business if you can't, you know, replace so uh, or add to. So you got to have some operational production measurements. And then you've just mentioned a few of them, you know, net profitability, gross profitability. And probably the other one is just when you receive your money is amount of money outstanding, all of those kind of fundamental things. Cogs and expenses. Yeah, level level of yeah, whether my expenses are on the increase, do I have a budget for that, you know, gross profit and cost of goods sold. You know, that's all the financial literacy side of the house, so that's that's good. Mhm. So let's just talk about marketing. We just spoke about it before. What do you think are the most high impact marketing opportunities right now? Like if you were to start all over again from zero, what marketing opportunities would you be jumping on right now? Look, I mean, I can't see a lot of the planet right now derive their information from online and social media. I can't, it may go to a different stratosphere, but, you know, in terms of the power for the Metas, the Googles, the Amazons, et cetera, you know, a lot of people derive their, I don't know what the current percentage is, but I know it's off the chart high, they do a lot of their information. When I was a kid and there was no internet, you know, it was all on TV and radio, right? So I think that they're still amazing platforms when they're done right and when you, you know, and I know this is a lot of what you teach and making sure your offer is correct, how you're communicating your, your unique selling proposition, those are all fundamentally important. I also think that depending on where you live and where your listeners are listening in from, you know, most people over and above social media still live in towns and cities where they could double or quadruple their business if they just walked out and went to a couple of meetings and et cetera. You know, they, there's business sitting down the road with your name on it. So it's it's how do you tap into that in whatever network or organisation you would care to, to do that with. But, you know, there's business, you know, there's, you know, there's business all around us. And if we just actually got out and, and went and chased it, you know, it'd be, uh, it'd be different. So they're probably the, the big two is not to forget some of the old school, you know, I'd also say, if you don't have a referral program, you're leaving money on the table, you know, people that have already bought and trust you, you should have some form of program to say, thanks. If you know someone else, please refer them. I mean, you know, and it doesn't have to be too complex. You know, as you know, a lot of our meetings are in-person meetings, Melissa, you know, we've got a little feedback form at the end of the day where they write all their feedback in and on the bottom it says, is there someone else that you'd like to refer to entrepreneurial business school? Write their name down. We get like, you know, three, 400 referrals annually just because of a little question on a piece of paper. So, we don't have to be too complex just to literally ask people. I also think whilst I'm, I'm going, 
a lot of the you know people in a day in in a day and age where there's a lot of information i think they need confidence to work with you and you know i know there's plenty of different platforms out there but i mean you know let me just use a simple one if i go on to your google reviews and you've got three reviews and one and two of them are your grandparents it's not a good look you know what I mean? So making sure that you backfill all of those and, and have got all of those reviews, et cetera, they, they're very powerful. So there, there's a few that, that come to mind. Love that. Thank you, Bruiser. Now, you have said to me on more than one occasion that every successful person that you've ever met feels more in their day. And as you know, Nick and I are obsessed with optimizing our time. And we even wrote a book about it, Time Magic. I'd love to hear your perspective on time mastery. What are the best strategies that you use? You have four kids. We have like forgotten to mention this as well. You have eight businesses, multiple investments. You have four children. What are some strategies that you use or that your most successful clients use to be massively productive? Thank you. And just to add there too, Melissa, we're actually adopting a girl from Uganda next year to come out to put her through med school. So actual fact, it's going to be five once uh, uh, Annette rolls up into our family. But look, on, on time, there's a law that I'd like your listeners to write down. And the law is called the law of vacuum, right? The law of vacuum. And, and it's got many different, you know, you can use it in money and lots of different things. I'm just going to relate it to time. As it relates to time, law of vacuum, what it means is, let's say, I don't know, you've got a half day booked this afternoon, Melissa, and let's say that person cancels on you, right? And your initial thing is, woohoo, you know, I've got a whole half day. I'm going to go off and do all the fun things or go and spend time you know, with your daughter or blah, 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 right? And then all of a sudden, the law of vacuum just comes in, fills it up with crap, right? That's the law of vacuum. So all your listeners know that there's law of vacuum is is, alive and well. And so if you don't block time, right, the law of vacuum is going to come in and ruin the party for you. So, you know, I won't share my screen, but I know every uh, we've planned every holiday, every short break, long weekends, commitments with the family, commitments with the business, we're out normally about 18 months. Okay. So I can tell you how many days physically I'm having off for 2024 Christmas. That's in one year from now, right? Most people can't tell me what they're doing next weekend, right? So if you're going to play a game on the entrepreneurial journey, right, law of vacuum, the more you take on, the more that principle is going to come in and ruin it. So what I would say of how we do it with that amount of kids and commitments, it's strategic and it's diary maintenance at a very exceptional level. I've even gone on stage in front of hundreds and hundreds of people and actually, you know, said, here's my diary for the next year. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, I got to go and do way more work here. So Diary, diary management is the only way through this and prioritizing where you want to do. Yeah, absolutely agree. And that's what we teach in Time Magic and in She Launch. If it's not scheduled, it's not real. If it's not in there, it won't happen. Like we schedule in time for Nick and I, all sorts of things. And I live by my calendar. I don't know how people don't have a digital calendar. I'm like, how are you not overwhelmed and stressed? So for me, I get it. You've inspired me as well. You and Georgie, you said to me years ago that you and Georgie plan out all your holidays for the following year. So you know when you're having your quarterly holidays or whatever it is. And that was so inspiring. Nick and I had never done that. And now we're like, okay, we really do need to do this because if you don't book it in, it gets filled with work. And then you go a whole year without holidays. And it's just like, no. Yeah. And look, I think there's many downsides to that too. You know, everything from health, you know, humans need respite and recovery, right? So, you know, it 
It helps on the health side. I think it helps on the relationship side, you know. So I think, look, when I was talking about that blocking mechanism, many years ago a client piped up and said something to me and, I, and as soon as he said it, I'm like, I'm going to use that forever. Can I, get, can I get your blessings to use it? And he, he basically said to me, Bruce, what you're saying is if I block it, I'm going to rock it. And I'm like, couldn't have said it better myself. Just do that. And he was like, got it. That's so good. It's so true. And we have color coordinated everything in our calendar. And like, I can see when Nick's got his meetings, I can just turn his calendar on. Like I turn his calendar off all the time. But if I need to know, is he in a meeting right now in the other room? Like after this interview, can I go in and just like, hey, babe, what are we having for lunch? Or no, like he's in a meeting. It's just so powerful, especially as a couple, but then also to know all of the kids stuff. I mean, you've got 5,000 kids now. How do you know when that person's got the graduation and things like that? So we have a color coordinated, all of the family stuff. It's all in yellow. That's to do with the whole family. So I love it. Block it to rock it. So powerful. Bruce, what is your definition of success? I would love to hear this. Look, I my definition of success is to be able to do what I want when I want for how long I want, right? Is it's essentially a freedom that that's for me. I do think success needs to be all encompassing. I do take a uh, very holistic view to this. It's it's useless being a billionaire and, and being dead, you know. Like so, health is like fundamental. If we don't have a vitality and a long living life. I, I don't think that that's probably, you know, going to work for most people. I also think having other areas, your life working well and being lonely, it, that's a shitty thing. So for me, that relationship and whatever that looks for your listeners, you know, doesn't necessarily need to be a life partner, spouse. Uh, for a lot of people that will be it. But just making sure that, you know, you're fulfilled from the people around you, whatever that definition is, I think is important. Look, I probably focus more from a business point of view on these last two, is I have to have a business or a career that will sustain my living, right, is that, you know, uh, and that's going to come down to how good you are at making money. And being okay to talk about it too. You know, I grew up in a family where, you know, money just wasn't spoken about. You know, with our kids and our community, it's like we want to speak about it. We want to be proud about it. You know, it's not the evil devil. We all need it, right? So, you know, let, let's let's reframe that. So I think that, and I've already said it in this podcast today, is if you end up, you know, getting to 60 or 70 years old and you haven't got any wealth behind you, then you got to go and live off the government or you got to live off your kids or you got to sell down any assets just to survive, right? And anyone I look at there, uh, deep down they'll have a regret. So, you know, I'm a big one that wealth is also part of that success answer. And look, finally, you know, for me, one of the reasons why I, I am successful and want to be more is I want to give back to people that don't have the same opportunity as me. So, you know, we rev, we've got a, a charity and a foundation and we do a huge amount in the, on the charity side of the house. Yes. I love all the charity work that you do. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Look, we do a lot of domestic work with different organizations such as the Salvation Army, St. Vincent de Paul, et cetera. They're, they're amazing organization, the Smith family. And look, many years ago, I, I ran into a charity randomly or maybe not so randomly with a gentleman who was CEO of a uh, African charity and from Uganda, the country of Uganda in Eastern Africa. And this charity, I, I didn't know this at the time, Mel, but, you know, witchcraft is still practiced in parts of Africa and Uganda is a bit of a hotspot. So there's witch doctors and some of them aren't even real witch doctors who for their paying clients will do everything from execute a chicken right through to kidnapping of kids, 
you know, some barbaric uh, rituals performed on them. Only about 15% of the people who do get kidnapped by these witch doctors actually survive. And this particular charity does the surge, the recovery for, and they're one of the biggest in Africa. Even though it's a very small organization, this is what they're dedicated to. And I look, I, I came across this and I, I must admit I was naive to think that this maybe wasn't happening, but it's rife. Same with child trafficking and this particular amazing charity called KCM, Champezi, spelt with a K, Child Care Ministries in Uganda. You can find them on our website, ebs.org.ww.ebs.org. And so we've got behind this charity. And so we've, you know, you fast forward all those years, we've now donated the best part of $3 million. We've got 444 children in sponsorship, like a world vision. You know, we send over half a million dollars a year out that puts these kids through uh, medical, clothing, food, schooling, support, counselling, and all of the above. So, yeah, look, it's been a massive, you know, I was just out in Uganda about four weeks ago. My wife, Georgie, she did a keynote on ending child sacrifice in July in front of judges and politicians and prosecutors and police and what have you. So we're really making a mark and our five-year goal, although it's a big one, is to actually end child sacrifice and trafficking in, in, in Uganda. Wow, Bruza, that's amazing. So incredible. At your last event, how much did we raise that evening? We did 310000 in about four hours. It was a lot of fun. Bruce, you were up there as the auctioneer and it was just, you were losing your voice. It was very fun. But yeah, it's incredible. The work that you're doing is so amazing. And I think it's such a big piece of the business puzzle is giving back. It's huge. 100%. And many mentors talk about this. I, I like what Tony Robbins says around this. He says, success will get you a certain way down the road. But he said, fulfillment that that's kind of what this is all about. And and all this work that we're doing on the charity side, from a fulfillment point of view, um, you know, it just is the most fulfilling things we've done on the planet to date. And we're going to keep doing it. We're just uh, registering our registered charity, which is a lot of fun and uh, putting the board together for that. And any listeners want to uh, help, be it monetary, sponsor a kid or just you know, give a hand in some respect. We take uh, clients annually uh, out. So we're taking 35 people, excuse me, for another humanitarian tour next September in 2024. We go each year. So so that's uh, pretty special as well. Yes. Lots of my friends have been on that and they said it was just life-changing. So that's incredible. And you know, we have tied charity into She Launch. We're working with Destiny Rescue, who is freeing children and women from sex slavery. And we feel really passionate about supporting that organization. And we've got a big goal of wanting to free a thousand people, a thousand women and children by 2027. So we are working on that. But Love the work that you're doing, Bruce. It's really, really powerful. So thank you. And we'll link to everything in the show notes as well so people can go and support and check out all of that. But I would love now to pretend that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world with this magic wand. Besides your book, what book would you choose? And it could be on any topic. It doesn't have to be on business or entrepreneurship, but by all means it can be. What is the first book that comes to mind? Look, I'm going to default to an old classic in the form of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. That book and concept for me was mind-blowing. I grew up in an amazing upbringing with my parents and, you know, the, the whole concept was work hard, go get a job save as much as you can, hopefully pay your mortgage off by the time you're old and grey. You know, that was kind of the, the the concept. And when I saw that there was other pathways to wealth and monetary and different forms of streams of revenue, 
just blew my mind. So I would say if you're going to give an up and coming, and we actually do have a program, Melissa, called Business School for Kids, where we put 12 to 18-year-old kids through and teach them all this stuff, right, so that they've got other options and thinking and tools. So I'd definitely give the kids that one. Yes, that book is incredible. I'll link to it in the show notes. Highly recommend reading it if you haven't already. And Leo did your kids' business school and he absolutely loved it. So thank you for creating that. And I think it is so incredible. So if you have any little ones of that age bracket, definitely check that out. It's awesome. Okay, Bruce, I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Hit me. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Remove chemicals and crap. Yeah, love it. What's one thing that we can do for our wealth? Put $5 a week or whatever you can into a different account and never touch it for the rest of your life or at least until another 10 years. Yeah, I love that. And what is one thing that we can do today for more love in our life? Say sorry to more people. Yeah, beautiful. I'm all about health, wealth, and love, and I loved those three tips. They are so powerful. And I am obsessed with hearing about people's routines. I love knowing, what do you do in the morning? I want to know, what are your little rituals, your routines? Talk us through what time you wake up, Bruiser, to the end of your day, like a quote-unquote typical day in your life. When do you work out? When do you meditate? I would love to hear this. So look, morning's a biggie for me. I'm up exceptionally early. I've sort of tested and measured from about quarter to four through to about quarter to five. That's normally the window. And depending on, you know, PTs and what have you, I get someone to come to me these days. I haven't always done that. So for me, that movement whatever that is, you know, we change that up is highly crucial. You know, I've been for many years on more of an intermittent fasting in the morning, which has worked. I do that about four days a week, not normally a seven day a weeker. For me, I probably 50% of the time I'll be meditating of a morning, but I also do, I have found evenings uh, has also been uh, good for me. Again, through the day, What I've put in is certain dietary needs. So you would have seen this in the boardroom when we're there, literally 10, 30, 11 o'clock right on the the dot. You know, organic smoothies are going to come through the door, et cetera, et cetera. And look, for me, you know, evenings, you know, I'll try to eat lighter. In terms of work, look, it it very much depends. You know, I'm probably not a normal person because I'll be seminar one day, boardroom the next flying to Uganda the next after that. So it is a bit all over the place. Sleep's important for me. You know, I'm normally lights out between 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock. It'd be very rare. Uh, I try not to do too much on computers and screens and what have you of an evening. And look, for me, you know, that weekend connection time is is very important. I, I'll throw that in the mix if I could. You know, for me, we've got a farm here on the Sunshine Coast. So, you know, doing outdoor activities and riding motorbikes and running around after my cattle and all these different things, you know, I find as part of the routine and the ritual. So, you know, that, that, there's probably a good snapshot of uh, of the week. And look, I, I mean, I, I, I referee rugby on weekends and lots of other different things over the years, but, uh, you know, and ride dirt bikes you know, in crazy places and fall off every now and again too. So, <laughs> How old are your kids? Can you go through their ages? Yeah, so our eldest, Annabelle, she's just finished school. She's 18, Juliet 16, Abigail 14, and Charlie's the big 10. Oh, and they're such divine children. They are so beautiful. They're so delightful to be around. They're just really beautiful people. So Wow. I love that. Thanks for that little snapshot. It's it's really inspiring to see. We've actually taken the, the eldest to the others will come in time all over to Uganda. So we're exposing them to all of this work at, at a young age because we've said from a foundation and registered charity, you know, mum and dad eventually 
going to be too old to do anything here. You know, you've got the keys to the vault to continue this work, etc. So Juliet, the, the second one, she'll be coming over for her third trip. So, you know, which is amazing, you know, we'll turn around in classrooms and what have you and there'll be about 60 kids, I'm not kidding, you know, trying to give her a hug all at the same time, checking their hair out because they don't have long hair like, you know, uh, us, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, uh, it's on for young and old. What a beautiful gift you're giving your children, Bruiser. Like, seriously, that is so beautiful. I hope to come on one of your trips one year. I would absolutely love to do that and bring Bambi potentially. Yeah, yeah. That would be amazing. Bruce, this has been amazing. You are amazing. I love having you in my life. I'm so grateful. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything else that you wanted to talk about? Look, just one last probably comment. You know, we've all got the ability to create the life that we want. No one's set up for a certain path, right? Is so, you know, if you go back to that above and below the line, it's it's go create the life that you want. You know, we have, and I, I don't say that to impress your, you know, your listeners here today, but to impress upon them that everyone's got the ability to go and create. And that normally will lie in the commitment to do so, the knowledge and the tools that you go and learn and implement, and then the execution. So go create the life that you want. Mm, I love that so much. Thank you, Bruiser. You are helping so many people. You are saving lives. You are supporting so many people. So I want to know, before we wrap up, what I and the listeners can do to give back and serve you. How can we serve you? So look, I'd just love you to go on Entrepreneurial Business School, uh, like us, follow us. We put up business, wealth, personal development. You'll see all of our charity stuff in be it domestically or internationally. So, you know, Facebook's probably the, the, the best there for the people that are on that. Go go do that. And, and look, as I said to your listeners, if people want to go the next step and sponsor a kid, it's like 100 bucks Aussie a month. You know, most people spend that at a, at a restaurant. So if you want to change your life in that, please feel free to, to reach out on our website and just to thank you for the offer. Mm, beautiful. We'll link to everything that you have mentioned today in the show notes so people can go and check all of that out. But thank you so much, Bruce, for being here, for sharing with us and for just being in my life, mine and Nick's life. We absolutely love and adore you and your beautiful family. So thank you for sharing with us today. Thanks, Mel. All the best. I hope you are so inspired and ready to take your business to the next level. I loved this conversation. I got so much out of it. And if you did too, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will just pop up in your feed so that you never have to go searching for a new episode. Now, come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what you got from this episode. I absolutely love connecting with you and hearing from you. My Instagram DMs are like my favorite place to hang out because I get to have epic conversations with people like you. So come and say hi. And don't forget that if you are interested in any of Bruce's events or programs, make sure you go to ebs.org and say that Melissa Ambrosini referred you and you can fill out the free business diagnostic. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself have a showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. <laughs>